Welcome to this week's recording of the local news, brought to you by the Equipment Service for the Blind and the Worcester News. Our service is free, but if you would like to make a donation towards the running costs, or if you have any comments about our service, please leave a message in your wallet or ring us at Colin Chance House. There isn't always someone here, but leave a message and someone will get back to you as soon as they can. And this week we've had donations from Mrs Jean Edwards and Mrs Barbara Robry. So thank you very much indeed, Jean and Barbara, for those donations. They will be uh, put to good use. Um, I'm Sally and Ian and Rianne are reading with me and John is our sound engineer. We'll be featuring the news from Friday, January the 20th until Thursday, January the 26th. We'll start with what's on in the local area, followed by the headline stories and general articles of interest, ending with a couple of sporting stories, and the obituaries will be after the closing music for those who wish to hear them. And today the sun rose at 8am, so it's getting a little bit later, and the sun set at 4.43, so those days are beginning to get a bit longer. So now I'll pass you over to Ian for some useful phone numbers. Thank you. Uh, Firstly, the number for us here uh, at Wilds Lane is 01905 767766. Police non-emergency number is 101. Worcester Hub is on 01905 765765. Samaritans are available on 116123. Worcester Theatres, 01684 Non-emergency helpline is treble one. Lastly, Worcester Wheels for Transport is on 01905 654 just between 8.30am and 4.30pm. The thought for the week is taken from Psalm 89, verses 1 and 2. I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you establish your faithfulness in heaven itself. And I'll now pass you over to Rianne. Now for a bit of what's on in the local area over the next few weeks. A dramatic lion dance is set to impress the crowds in a new location in the city centre this year on January the 30th. Hundreds of people usually gather outside the Guild Hall every year to watch an eye-catching lion dance to celebrate the start of the Chinese New Year. This year, it is set to take place in a new location after Worcestershire Chinese Association teamed up with the Museum of Royal Worcester and the Royal Porcelain Works to bring in the Year of the Rabbit in style. The courtyard outside Goodroots Cafe will be alive with the lion dance and pom-pom the giant panda, as well as music and a martial arts demonstration in Henry Sandon Hall. 
When will Chinese New Year celebrations take place in Worcester? They're set to take place between 10 to 3 p.m. on Sunday at the Museum of Royal Worcester, and that's Sunday, January the 30th. The museum is offering free entry for its visitors for the whole day. Um, where you can engage with China, an educational charity building China literacy in UK schools. Um, It's also an event partner bringing alive Chinese culture through a traditional Chinese tea ceremony demonstration and Chinese calligraphy. There'll be lots of Chinese arts and crafts and the museum's paint-your-own-pottery studio will also be open for adults and children to paint Year of the Rabbit ceramic shapes for a small cost. People across the world celebrate Chinese New Year as it marks the start of spring and the first day of the year in Chinese culture. The traditional agricultural calendar, which is comprised of the lunar and solar calendars, is used to determine the first day of the year in Chinese culture. This means the official date for the festivities changes each year, but it typically takes place in January or February. It may not be the strongest of the 12 animals, the rabbit, but its charm and speed attracts good qualities such as money, partnership and success. According to tradition, Dr Liang said it is likely for this year to be calm and gentle and it will bring an energy that will help people have a more balanced life. And people in Worcester have also been invited to attend weekly gardening sessions. Friends of Fort Royal Park and Community Gardens and Worcester City Council are inviting residents to join gardener Les Pearson in Fort Royal Park between 9.30am and 2.30pm on Thursdays. The weekly events are beginning on the first week of February with tools set to be provided for those who do not have their own. Those with their own gardening tools are encouraged to bring them along to the event. For more information, you can contact community at worcester.gov.uk or turn up on the days the sessions are running for. And over in Malvern, there are a few um, events that might be of interest. On Sunday, the 12th of February at 3pm, Malvern Concert Club um, has a varied programme of piano music by an Elizabeth Browse. There's Mendelssohn, Beethoven, Liszt and Bach. Um, The pianist Elizabeth Browse has been praised by the Gramophone magazine for the maturity and sophistication of her thoughtful interpretations, which be the pride of any pianist twice her age. And that's on Sunday the 12th of February at 3pm. Tickets at £28. Um, There's also an opera on, on the... Sunday the 5th of February at 7pm Verdi's Aida is being performed and tickets are going to be £45 to £29.68 um, and on the 7th of May which is also a Sunday Puccini's La Boheme is on if you purchase tickets for both events you'll get 20% off your ticket price Thank you, Rianne. And now we'll go to the headline stories. Starting on Friday, January the 20th, weapons seized in drugs swoop. A suspected drug dealer jumped out of a first-floor window in a failed escape bid as officers seized weapons, including knives. 
Police swooped on an address near Wilds Lane in Worcester as part of ongoing work to put county line dealers out of business. The arrests form part of a series this month as West Mercia police continued to sever the lines of drug supply into Worcester from larger urban centres, including Birmingham. In total, officers from West Mercia Police made 11 arrests for possession with intent to supply drugs between Christmas Day and Wednesday, January the 11th. During this particular warrant, they also seized knives from inside the property in what was a joint operation by detectives and local policing teams on Tuesday, January the 3rd, as fresh details emerge about the dramatic arrest of key suspects. A spokesman for West Mercia Police said, Proactive officers, supported by local policing teams, have deployed the Wilds Lane area of Worcester due to recent reports of drug dealing in the area. This forms part of Operation Mandolin. A male and female from Worcester are detained and arrested on suspicion of being concerned in the supply of Class A drugs. Force is used to secure entry to a nearby address, at which point a 19-year-old male from Birmingham has jumped from a first-floor window. The male has run from officers and continued to jump over fences into nearby gardens. The male is located a short time later, hiding in gardens off Coal Hill. Police recover cash, weapons and other evidence linked to the supply of controlled drugs. Inquiries continue and the case is being prepared for review by the CPS. The male has been recalled to prison for other offences. Again, this forms part of our continued efforts against those linked to County Lyons drug supply. DI Dave Knight of South Worcestershire Proactive CID, based at Worcester Police Station in Castle Street, said, The nature of this investigation goes to indicate how far drug dealers are prepared to go to evade justice. They know that when convicted they will spend a significant amount of time behind bars. It really isn't worth it. We will continue to work across all departments of the police and with our partners to bring offenders to justice. Weapons recovered in this case are designed to kill and the more we remove from the streets, the better. Proactive CID for South Worcestershire, part of the West Mercia, is tasked with disrupting the supply of drugs, including heroin, crack cocaine and cannabis, across the south of the county, including Worcester, Malvern, Evesham and Pershaw. The lead story for Saturday and Sunday, January 21st and 22nd, pulled from the river. Fireboat crews scrambled to save a man from icy water during a dramatic river rescue on one of the coldest days of the year. The man in his 50s was pulled from the River Severn near 7th Street in Diglis, Worcester, by boat crews during a race against time on Thursday night. Rescue dogs and a drone were used to try to find the man in the river. A fire service spokesman said, A Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service crew from Worcester Fire Station, plus boat crews from Worcester and Evesham, and service drone from Ledbury, and the service rescue dog were called at 11.49pm to a rescue from water near 7th Street, Worcester. A man in his 50s was rescued from the water by the Swift Water Rescue Team and handed over to the care of the ambulance service. A spokesperson for the West Midlands Ambulance Service said, 
we were called by the fire service to report to a person in the water off 7th Street in Worcester at 11.53pm. One ambulance and a paramedic officer were sent to the scene where, on arrival, they discovered a man who had been pulled from the water by fire colleagues. Ambulance staff treated him for injuries not thought to be life-threatening before conveying him on blue lights to Worcestershire Royal Hospital for further treatment. Hypothermia can set him within minutes in freezing conditions and a casualty's body temperature drops below 35 degrees. No information has been provided by police, paramedics or fire crews about how the man came to be in the water. The rescue occurred on one of the coldest days of the year when freezing temperatures prompted the opening of a night shelter for rough sleepers on four consecutive nights because of the risk to life. The severe weather emergency protocol has been active in Worcester since January the 16th and the shelter will be open tomorrow night and Monday. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said, At around 11.55pm, police received a call from Worcestershire Fire and Rescue informing us that they were responding to a report of a man in the river. On Monday, January the 23rd, the headlines read, Police at Station Altercation. West Mercia Police has said officers were called to Worcester Fulgate Street Station on Friday following reports of an altercation. A statement has now been issued by the force which said we were called at around 7.50pm last night to a report of an altercation at Fourgate Street Railway Station. The incident is now being dealt with by British Transport Police. No further details have been provided. We asked West Mercia Police if any arrests were made following the incident and also contacted British Transport Police for comment but when we went to print had received no response to those requests. We reported on the Worcester News website over the weekend that a number of police cars were seen outside the station. A network rail response van was also spotted in the area. Trains after 9pm were unaffected by the incident. Staff at the railway station remained tight-lipped about the incident and pointed us in the direction of the press office. Meanwhile, staff from the Craft Inn bar across the road from the station in Fourgate Street said they had seen the large police presence. A staff member said, I saw police cars and policemen. They were here for an hour and a half, leaving at 10pm. We don't know too much about it. And Tuesday, January the 24th, time for action, appeal after latest crash. The latest crash on a notorious road has led to calls for action as it is the latest in a string of prangs. An elderly woman was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital after crashing into a parked car on Lahone Road in St John's on Sunday. And unlucky couple Heather Hodges and Kevin Hughes have seen their parked car smashed into repeatedly on the road. They are now calling for more more enforcement after a Land Rover crashed into their parked car. Miss Hodges said, This road is notorious. We've had three crashes in the last 14 months. Our CCTV showed the car crashing into my partner's parked car. Nothing surprises me with this road. I would like some kind of traffic enforcement, but I just do not know what the answer is. 
My other half works nights, so really we do not want tr double yellows out here. People have said, bring the speed down to 20 miles an hour. But when people are not even noticing it, would, it should be 30 miles an hour, what is bringing it down to 20 miles an hour going to do? Her calls have been backed up by Worcestershire County and City Councillor for St John's Richard Uddall and has asked for a full accident investigation to take place. He said, I have asked for a full accident investigation to take place and to see if any engineering work is necessary to the highway for which, which may reduce the risk. The number of vehicles which use Laherne Road has increased dramatically in recent times. I have ensured a vehicle activated sign was erected which clashes at speeding cars to slow down and I'm currently in the process of trying to start a community speed watch campaign on the road which will allow local residents to help the police to enforce the speed limit. Miss Hodges was not at home at the time of the crash with a neighbour breaking the bad news. She said... My partner and I were not at home when it happened and my next-door neighbour had to call to say, I've had some bad news for you. By the time I got here, there were police and an ambulance in the road. Somebody said that she had a tyre blowout, but there didn't seem to be any marks at all on the road suggesting that. In recent years, we've had other crashes to previous cars, including a drink driver on one occasion. West Midlands Ambulance Service said an elderly woman who was driving was taken to Worcestershire Royal Hospital for further assessment. A West Mercia police spokesman said, At around 5.10pm on Sunday, January the 22nd, officers received a report of a one-vehicle collision on Laherne Road, Worcester. Worcester Fire and Rescue Service and the ambulance service were attended the scene and the driver of the car had minor injuries. The lead story for Wednesday, January the 25th. Rubbish fight goes mobile. A mobile use-it-or-lose-it pop-up tip is to go on trial in the battle to end fly-tipping and rat infestations blighting parts of the city. Councillor Jill Desera has campaigned for the mobile tips to come to Warnden and Brickfields to stop rubbish being dumped in the street, including mouldy mattresses, sofas, chairs and other waste. Her hope is the move can restore pride in the community, making Warnden a nice place for people rather than scurrying rodents to inhabit. In a new trial scheme, she has asked Worcester City Council to bring the tip to residents so they do not have to go to the tip, especially as many may struggle to afford the costs. The Warnden Labour councillor has reported several instances of fly-tipping across her ward to various bodies, including Platform Housing Group and Citizen, and hopes residents will take advantage of the trial scheme. Following talks with the City Council, two mobile tips will run on her ward, both on a one-day-only basis, between 8am and noon. The first will be at the car park in Rodborough Close, Warnden, Worcester, on Saturday, March the 18th. The second will run in Goldsmith Road, near Wheelwright Close, on Saturday, April the 8th. It comes as fly-tip rubbish continues to be dumped in various parts of Warnden. Rubbish was visible yesterday, Tuesday, in Selsey Close, 
Chedworth Drive, Sirencester Close, Crowell Court and Wheelwright Close. Councillor de Serra said, Fly tipping is in certain parts of Warnden is a problem. Some of this comes from outside the area, as unscrupulous tradespeople dump their waste illegally alongside other tipped rubbish. Sometimes it comes from a genuine misunderstanding that the City Council run regular free collection services. Even where people would like to do the right thing, many of them don't have access to transport to get items to Bilford Road Recycling Centre or can't afford the Council's paid for bulky waste collection service. The wider effect is to create streets that are a blight on the community and the people that live there cannot take pride in their neighbourhood. Worse still, residents have been reported to me cases of vermin infestation. This is a trial. I have worked with the City Council officers to arrange the service and I will be calling on all my neighbouring councillors to help with its promotion. If transporting items to these local sites is an issue, please contact me and I will see if there's anything that can be done to assist. Warnden has waited a long time for this, and if you want the service to be extended, remember to use it, or lose it. I want all Warnden residents to know that this issue matters that we care about having a pleasant, healthy environment in which to live. Thursday, January the 26th. Simply not the right time. The leader of the City Council has hit out at a decision to raise car parking charges for the first time in 14 years. Worcester City Council intends to up the fees at more than a dozen of its car parks to bring in more money to help fill a hole of at least £776,000 in its budget. But the authority's leader has slammed the decision, saying the timing isn't right. Councillor Chris Mitchell, leader of the Worcester City Council, said it was wrong to raise parking charges, which have not changed since 2009, during a cost-of-living crisis, and especially after last year's card payment mess-up, which saw thousands of drivers needlessly charged several times for parking in the city. It simply isn't the right time to raise parking charges and put even more burden on the people of Worcester, he said. Someone who previously popped into the high street to pick something up and paid for 30 minutes parking will see an increase of 250% and now be paying £1.50 to park. The leader, who said the council should instead raid its reserves to cover the cost, said he would struggle to stand on doorsteps and tell people that car parking fees were going up after the mess with card payments and overcharging. Councillor Mitchell and his fellow Tories voted against the planned rise at a meeting of the City Council's Environment Committee in the Guildhall on Tuesday, January the 24th, while the move was supported by the committee's Green and Labour councillors. It's all about timing, as my golf coach often tells me, the council leader said. There is enough burden on residents already. Councillor Marjorie Bissett, leader of the council's Greens, said many who used public transport had seen prices rocket since 2009, while car parking charges stayed the same and backed the increase. 
Under the Council's proposals, the price of a two-hour stay at the city's Copenhagen Street, Corn Market and Providence Street car parks would change from £2.40 to £3. The same stay at the Cattle Market, King Street, Newport Street, St Martin's Gate, Clare Street and Commandery Road car parks would rise from £1.80 to £2.00. Two-hour stays at Pitchcroft, The Moors, Tallow Hill, Tybridge Street and Croft Road car parks would move from £1.20 to £1.50. Half-hour charges would be scrapped and £1 fees for parking between 7pm and 9pm would also be ditched for hourly rates. Council bosses said the money it brings in from car parking charges, which is its single biggest source of income generating, around £3 million a year, needs to rise to keep pace with costs. Lloyd Griffiths, the council's director of operations, said there was no sign of costs letting up and the council might need to look at reviewing car parking fees further in the future. The plan will now go to the Council's Income Generation Subcommittee on February the 1st before it is discussed at full Council on February the 21st as part of next year's budget setting process. Three million pounds, that's a lot, isn't it? Um, do you want it back on? It's up to you. You're the one who feels the cold more than anybody. Uh, I think I prefer it off for the moment. <laughs> OK. See how we get off. If you need to get up, go very quietly. And now the general news for the week. Worcester residents will need photo ID in order to vote at the City Council elections in May. For the first time, residents in Worcester will need to show photographic identification and are being urged to make sure they are ready to vote by checking they have the right form of ID. A wide range of photo identification can be accepted, which most people will already have. These options include a passport, a driver's licence, an immigration document and some travel passes, such as an older person's bus pass. Voters will be able to use expired ID if they are still recognisable from the photo. Anyone who does not have one of the accepted forms of ID will be able to apply for free ID either online or by completing a paper form. Shane Flynn, returning officer at Worcester City Council, said... With elections taking place in Worcester on May the 4th, 2023, it is important that people who want to vote make sure they have an accepted form of ID. It may seem early, but checking now means you'll be ready to vote in May. Residents who do not have one of the accepted forms of ID can apply for free ID either online or by completing a paper application form and sending this to Worcester City Council's electoral services team. If you need any help with applying for the free ID or want to request an application form, contact Worcester City Council's electoral, electoral services team on 01905 722530 or online electoral-services at worcester.gov.uk You could also come into the Guildhall and our customer services team will be pleased to help you. 
The requirement was introduced by the UK Government's Elections Act, which was passed last year and comes into effect for the first time this May. Anyone who wants to have their say in the elections this May must also be registered to vote and will need to already be re- registered to acquire the photo ID. The full list of accepted ID is available on the Electoral Commissioner's website at www.electoralcommission.org.uk slash voter ID along with more information about the new requirement and details of how to apply for the free photo identification. A former museum curator and star of Antiques Roadshow has decided to sell off his private collection. Henry Sandon, best known as an expert on the Antiques Roadshow, is having to sell his collection as he can no longer look after it properly. The 94-year-old MBE, who joined the hit BBC show in 1979, says it is time to let other collectors enjoy his life's work. Now that I am older than most of the ceramics in my collection, I am no longer able to pick up and hold and cherish each one of the hundreds of pieces I have lived with all around me, he said. I need other people to help care for me now, and so it's time to find new owners to care for all my beloved pots. Apart from just a few special favourites for my family to treasure, it is time for all of my pots to join new study collections. Before becoming known nationally for his stint on the show, Mr Sandon was appointed curator of the Dyson Perrins Museum at the Royal Worcester Factory in 1967, a job, he says, changed my life. Reflecting on his early days, he said, I dug up Roman and medieval pots in my garden by Worcester Cathedral and was captivated by their history. Digging up broken pots led me to attend local auctions and antique shops filled with Worcester porcelain. It didn't matter that I could only afford damaged examples of the early pottery I coveted. I knew it was important to buy as much as I could and to hold it and live with it. Experts would come to the museum to help me sort the finds from my important excavations on the site of the earliest Worcester China factory. Mr Sandon became friends with Arthur Negus, the first TV antiques expert, and through an appearance on his show, was taken onto the Antiques Roadshow. His 1,000-piece collection, titled the Henry Sandon Ceramic Study Collection, is due to be auctioned by Chorley's Auctioners in April. It is split into 380 lots and is expected to fetch at least £50,000. The auction will feature pots from 2000 BC to the present day. Simon Chorley says, Chorley's is delighted to have been instructed to sell the collection as we have a wonderful long-standing relationship with both Henry and Arthur. I first met Henry Sandon at the Three Choirs Festival at Gloucester in 1965. I was a chorister at Gloucester Cathedral while Henry was a lay clerk at Worcester. After Arthur's death in 1985, I was involved with arranging the auction of his treasured collection. 
Henry very much enjoyed that sale, and it is now a privilege for me to be involved in arranging Henry's sale. The Swan Theatre has been closer to the water this week than she usually is due to the flooding around the city, with a large amount of water surrounding the building, and indeed under and in, in some cases. There has been a mixture of feelings surrounding the experience that is currently upon us and may well happen again this year as it has in many years before. The building, that was designed by Henry Gorst, is cleverly positioned on stilts at the rear to acknowledge and navigate the floodwaters. We have remained completely functioning and our only vulnerability is our cellar, no longer actively used for the storage of wines and beers due to the regularity of the floods, which is currently flooded, and will no doubt remain so until the waters recede and we will once again be left with the aftermath to clean and sanitise. Although a sight to behold and very picturesque for all our patrons, it is slightly unnerving watching the waters rising around the building. The vastness of the area in which we are situated suddenly becomes revealed as there is no definition between racecourse, car park and garden and all you can see is water, acres and acres of water. We are very much in the hands of the elements and thankfully this time the waters have not been as high as I have seen them in previous years. As I cross the bridge that adjoins the main building to the studio building and our offices, I hear the waters lapping against the Swan Theatre. I think what a unique and strange situation the venue experiences each time this happens and how resilient our building is to withstand and respond so calmly to the weather each each season. I'm thankful that we have survived another flood with minimal damage once again. More than 150 people were homeless in Worcester on any given night in 2022, new estimates suggest. Shelter, a leading homelessness charity, has used government statistics, freedom of information requests and data from the membership charity Homeless Link to work out how many people are without a home in England. It estimates 173 people were homeless in Worcester on any given night in 2022, including 60 children. This was equivalent to one in every 601 people in the area, the charity said. Around 115 homeless people in Worcester were in temporary accommodation, while 20 were estimated to be sleeping rough. A further 38 were said to be homeless at home, meaning that they are legally homeless but have not yet been provided with accommodation by the local authority and may be staying with friends or family. These figures do not include the various forms of hidden or unofficial homelessness, such as sofa surfing or uncrowded, overcrowded homes. Shelter Chief Executive Polly Neat said they were expecting a rise in homelessness in 2023. A cold doorway or a grotty hostel room is not a home, but this is reality for too many people today, she said. Our frontline advisers are working tirelessly to help people who are desperate to escape homelessness from the parents, doing all they can to provide some shred of a normal family life while stuck in an emergency B&B to the person terrified of another night sleeping rough. With private rents and living costs continuing to soar, thousands of people are not just facing a winter of worry, they are at risk of losing the roof over their head, she added. 
The estimates suggest around 2,400 people were sleeping rough across England, with a further 15,000 people in hostels or supported accommodation. Nearly 250,000 people, mainly families, were living in temporary accommodation. A mum has revealed the stigma surrounding using the city food bank to feed her family, as it is revealed almost half fed by the service in a month were children. The Worcester mum, who wants to remain anonymous, is just one of the many parents having to turn to Worcester Food Bank to put meals on the table, as it is revealed 45% of those helped by the organisation in December were children. According to Worcester Food Bank, over 1,000 children were fed during December period, which marked their busiest period on record. Overall, the food bank fed 2,373 people in December, most of whom were families. She revealed the lengths she goes to to disguise the fact she needs emergency food parcels. Picking up her latest bag of food from Lowesmore Wharf headquarters for her, for her and her two teenage sons, she said, I never thought I would be in this position. I have worked my entire life. My two boys are surpassing six foot and trying to feed them. It is a sad place to be. My boys get really embarrassed and I will go home now and put these in Tesco bags. It's awful as there is that kind of stigma. To cope with the increased demand, the food bank has now opened on Tuesdays, an extra day a week, to keep down the queues of people needing help. They say if demand continues to rise, they may have to increase their opening hours. Food bank manager Graham Lucas said, I am horrified, it is awful, and it's really sad knowing that we are feeding that many children. In a way, it is good that we are able to support these families because if those parents were not getting that support, their children would go hungry. They would go to school hungry, which would injure their education. There are so many knock-ons that arise as a result of hunger. We cannot have a strong economy unless you have people who are capable and it will endanger building a generation who won't be capable due to their education being injured. So far, Worcester Food Bank has seen a 25% increase year on year since it opened its doors 10 years ago. Mr Lucas said the charity has to spend over £3,000 on food a week to keep stocks at an efficient level. To donate, you can visit Worcester Food Bank at Unit 7, Lowesmore Wharf, or at local participating supermarkets and organisations. A respite centre for disabled young people will be demolished and replaced with a bigger building under new plans by a charity. The Myriad Centre in Barbourne, Worcester, which provides much-needed respite care for people with profound and multiple learning disabilities and their families, could be knocked down to make way for a new purpose-built facility and allow the charity to care for four more people. The expansion plans would give the charity 50% more space in a fully accessible replacement building, which would come equipped with quiet and sensory rooms, more flexible spaces an improved garden and more storage space. 
Part of the existing Myriad Centre was built in St George's Church Hall between St George's Walk and Henry Street, which was constructed in the early 1900s, and several extensions were built in the early 2010s, according to the planning application submitted to Worcester City Council. A statement included with the application said... The Myriad Centre is a charitable organisation providing specialist respite daycare for people with profound and multiple learning disabilities, PMLD, and their families. This is done through a range of care, therapies and activities delivered in a safe and stimulating environment and tailored to the individual needs of their clients. They currently support up to 16 young adults, all of whom have severe physical disabilities and complex health needs. These adults are among the most disadvantaged and disabled in the local community. The demand for their services increases each year. Since 2007, they have provided daycare every weekday to young adults with PMLD, who are aged from 18 to their early 40s. Their clients have a range of conditions, including developmental delay, sensory impairments, severe physical disabilities, mental health conditions, autism, cerebral palsy and epilepsy. The proposed redevelopment of the Myriad Centre will allow the number of clients to be increased from 16 to up to 20 per day, with a maximum capacity of 25 through the expansion of client activity rooms and supporting functions. This, along with reduced running costs of an energy-efficient building, will enable a financially sustainable care model to be operated, ensuring their important work can continue for years to come. Sweet-toothed city folk will be overjoyed with the return of a new-look sweet shop in the city centre, and the new owners have said they are excited and thrilled to take over the reins in a change of career direction for them. Mr D's Old Sweet Shop was opened on Saturday in Worcester High Street by Worcester Mayor Adrian Gregson. Mr D's is in the shop that was previously Mr Sims' Old Sweet Shop, which closed last year following the retirement of Michelle and Mark Rasdell. The new owners of the shop are Worcester Pair, Alexandra Turner and Alex Rakic. Mr Rakic said they both came from corporate backgrounds, but when the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity came up to take over the shop, they couldn't resist. This is completely new for us. This is the first time we've had our own retail business, he said. It's a family-run business. I'm from Worcester and Alex fell in love with Worcester. It is weird how the stars align. We knew the shop. We'd been here many times before. We saw Mark and Michelle were retiring and said, shall we just pop in and see? We put an offer in. It was accepted and it has been a whirlwind ever since. Miss Turner said, we will have always wondered if we hadn't have done it, what we would have missed out on such a wonderful thing. Asked if there was any concern about opening during the ongoing cost of living crisis, the pair said that people will always want a little treat. Miss Turner said, there are things we have in the shop that have taken into account the cost of living. Sometimes people need that little treat, even if it's just 100 grams of their favourite sweet. The shop is named after Mr Rackick's late father, Mr D, and the proud son said his dad would have loved the place. The owners have aimed to have continuity from the Mr Sim outfit, with 85% of the sweets the same as before. But the shop is introducing new options with dietary needs in mind, including vegan, sugar-free and gluten-free sweets. 
Mr. Rackick said, although they were just getting their feet under the table, they were already looking at ways to grow the business. The shop will be our primary focus, but we are looking at expanding online options, weddings and parties, he added. Worcester Cathedral's choir organ will be back in action for the first time since Storm Arwen, in time for the organ's gala anniversary recital. The event will take place on January 21st at 7.30pm and was postponed from October 2022 due to the organ being out of action. The cathedral was battered by 100 mile an hour winds when Storm Arwen hit Worcester in November 2021. Arwen caused extensive damage to the cathedral when part of a pinnacle from the tower fell through the roof. The cathedral say they are now looking forward to the annual recital, which will include James Lancelot, Canon Emeritus Organist, Durham Cathedral, and former Interim Organist and Director of Music at Worcester Cathedral. Tickets costing £15, with free admission for those under 18 or in full-time education, are available on the door or in advance from the cathedral website. Worcester Cathedral's current director of music, Samuel Hudson, said, It is wonderful to hear the sound of our magnificent choir organ filling the cathedral once again. We're extremely grateful to the teams who have been working on the repairs to the instrument and the building itself following the damage sustained in Storm Arwen and are delighted to be able to play and listen to the organ again. The instrument is not only central to the life of the cathedral, accompanying services on a daily basis, but can also be heard in our series of concerts and recitals. We particularly look forward to James Lancelot's gala recital on January the 21st, celebrating the instrument's 14th birthday. Worcester Cathedral's popular lunchtime recital series has also recommenced in January 2023, following a break to accommodate repair works to damage caused by Arwen. Recitals take place on Thursdays at 12.15pm, lasting until around 1pm, and the spring line-up is as follows. January 26th, Historical Performance Department of Royal Birmingham Conservatoire, February the 2nd, Jordan English, organ. February the 16th, Ensembles from King's School, Worcester. March the 16th, Musicians from Royal Grammar School, Worcester. March the 23rd, Peter Dyke, organ. Performance for the Summer and Autumn series will be announced soon. Admission to the lunchtime recitals is free, with donations welcomed at a retiring collection. To book tickets for the anniversary organ recital, please visit www.worcestercathedral.co.uk forward slash what's hyphen on forward slash gala hyphen organ hyphen recital hyphen January hyphen 2023. Worcester City Council has seen its bid to the government for coveted levelling up money to extend and modernise the grandstand at Worcester Racecourse to make way for a new summer rooftop bar, restaurant and bigger function room turned down by the government. 
Asked about Worcester's exclusion from the latest levelling up announcement, General Manager Michael Thomas said he was very disappointed. Last year, Mr Thomas hoped the government funding boost would bring the Riverside facilities up to date and allow the racecourse to be reborn. The multi-million pound bid also included plans to build a new Riverside cafe and function room for weddings and parties. The racecourse part of the bid totaled £9 million, with racecourse owners Sports Arena putting forward half of the money. Councillor Chris Mitchell, the leader of Worcester City Council, said, It's obviously very disappointing and I would have liked to have seen us get the money, especially for the racecourse, but we have been very fortunate in the past with funding. It's great if you do get the money and obviously very disappointing if you don't but we'll be going back and licking our wounds and get back on with it again. These are great opportunities when they come along, but we've got lots of capital investment already that we need to get on with. There will be plenty of other opportunities. Last year, the racecourse's old weighing room was demolished in what looked like the first part of a huge facelift of the city's racecourse. There has been no comment on whether this work will still be able to go ahead. Four advertisements for electric mini-heaters have been banned by misleadingly suggesting they could provide cheaper heating than gas and save householders money. The ads for the InstaHeat, Kalini, Heater Pro and Heater Pro X all suggested they were a cheaper alternative to gas central heating and could rapidly warm a room. The advert for the Kalini heater said... It's not surprising this winter energy bills for an average household could hit £3,000. In these difficult times, people need a cheaper way to stay warm. This new type of ceramic heater has an incredible efficiency. Almost no energy is wasted. This is not only good for the environment, but also good for your wallet. It heats every area in your room in just 60 seconds. No other comparable heating device is as efficient. All four adverts used images of the same heaters, despite coming from different firms. None of the advertisers responded to queries from the Advertising Standards Authority, ASA. The ASA sought advice from the Energy Saving Trust, which said gas is currently cheaper than electricity and it is more efficient to heat a room with one radiator than with a plug-in mini-heater. The regulator said... Ads for products such as plug-in mini-heaters should ensure they're not making inaccurate claims or exaggerate how effective they are. They should take care not to mislead around how much they cost to run or imply that they're more cost-efficient than central heating without sufficient evidence to back up the claim. We've banned all these ads and will be keeping a close eye on claims around how consumers can save money on their bills, especially heating. We'll be taking compliance action in the coming weeks to ensure customers are protected and ads which don't comply with these rulings are removed. These rulings are a notice to advertisers that we won't hesitate to ban ads that break our rules. A bursting at the seams education centre has moved to bigger premises after experiencing an unprecedented rise of students after Covid lockdown. Worcester Learning Zone, located on New Street, has now extended its tutoring into Sansom Lodge, a Grade 2 listing building on Sansom Walk. 
Owner Caris Thurlby said staff were having to take the heartbreaking decision to turn people away as they were unable to cope with the demand. Since the end of COVID, Learning Zone has received around 10 to 15 inquiries a day for one-to-one tuition. Parents are concerned their children have fallen behind after lockdown forced them to have be homeschooled. Worcester Learning Zone aims to provide tutoring for both mainstream and SEND school children, but it became harder to do after a rise in students needing help. Caris Thurlby, Education Director and Co-Owner of Worcester Learning Zone, said, We were bursting at the seams and turning people away. It's heartbreaking. We can put people on a waiting list, but that does not help in the meantime. Without our service, these children would go nowhere. We had to expand. The expansion into the new building is hoped to increase the Learning Zone's capacity for students by 60%. It will also help to expand the quality of service, providing an art room and additional rooms for group and mentoring sessions. Miss Thurlby added, The effects of COVID are still coming out now. It was a massive loss in a support system and children going back to school are finding it quite scary. During COVID, the centre lost 65% of its students overnight and like many of its pupils, also had to adjust to online learning. What we found is our children who stayed on needed more support. Those who started high school at home did not have a chance to transition into school. One or two years on from COVID, they are still suffering. There are still gaps in their knowledge. They are having to learn how to learn. They have not got enough resilience, emotional toughness than other children and academically find it hard. More than 140 children took part in a holiday camp run by Worcestershire Cricket where they could play and eat a healthy meal. Worcestershire Cricket held the holidays, activities and food, half camps, in the run-up to Christmas for children eligible for benefits-related free school meals. It gave them a chance to spend the week interacting in a fun environment whilst receiving a free, healthy meal along with a full day of activities. Community Development Manager Elsa Marie Evans said... HALF is a fantastic programme. It creates free multi-sports places for children who are eligible for benefits-related free school meals. Each child receives a healthy lunch and snacks throughout the day. Camps include many different sports and enriching activities and workshops. One parent said, It has given my son a healthy distraction, interaction and physical exertion that he needs. It has been a massive positive coming from a domestic abuse situation with something to look forward to every day when we left with nothing. Worcestershire's Cricket also held a Super Ones Christmas Festival which was an opportunity for all disability cricket hubs to get together, play cricket and attend a healthy eating workshop. The festival also had a surprise visit from Santa who delivered each one of the 15 attendees a gift. Worcestershire Cricket would like to extend their thanks to the festival sponsors, Erwin Mitchell, Tesco and Biopack. For more details on half camps, which also run during Easter and summer and Super Ones, please contact Elsa Marie on elsa.marie.evans at 
wccc.co.uk. Homes for former soldiers in Worcester need to drastically improve, said a shadow minister during a visit to the city. Labour's Shadow Minister for the Armed Forces, Luke Pollard, MP, was in the city to highlight the party's recently launched Homes Fit for Heroes campaign. It calls for accommodation for military personnel to be of the highest standard as new figures reveal the worrying state of some of the county's lowest-rated digs. Ministry of Defence data uncovered by the Labour Party shows at least half of service personnel in Worcestershire live in single living accommodation which is rated rated Grade 4 by the government, the lowest possible rating. Mr Pollard said, Across Worcestershire, half of all single living accommodation for armed forces personnel is in the lowest level of quality, Grade 4, that is 50%. Across the country, we see defence accommodation where armed forces personnel and their families live in deteriorating, quality getting worse and worse. Single living accommodation at this grade, four level, is at 50%, which is above the national average at 40%. In Worcester alone, you have 3,500 veterans. Robin Walker MP fired back saying, I think it's odd that the Minister is coming to talk about this issue in Worcester as we have not had a permanent accommodation since the Norton Barracks which closed some years ago. His role was created by our government and many of the issues surrounding our armed forces were thanks to a lack of funding by the former Labour government. I think veterans and armed forces personnel in Worcester are supported well and it's great to see our City Council is led by a former member of the armed forces, Chris Mitchell. The government grades single living accommodation based on deficiency points, including the condition of bedroom decoration, fixtures and fittings, the standard of heating systems and how close the accommodation is to toilets and washing facilities. There is currently no minimum quality standard for single living accommodation and no minimum acceptable conditions that service personnel should expect. A report by the National Audit Office in 2021 revealed decades of underinvestment in single living accommodation. The moment a group of magnet fishing YouTubers pulled an unexploded First World War bomb out of the River Severn has been released. Peaky Dippers, an amateur group of magnet fishers, have released the YouTube video showing the moment they discovered the bomb which temporarily shut down an area of the riverside. The group revealed they were about to write off their visit to Worcester as a terrible day, as they did not find anything of interest. That was until Nigel Lamford, 51, pulled out a World War I artillery shell on South Quay on December the 28th. Mr Lamford said, I was just saying what a terrible day it had been, and then that before the camera zooms in on the bomb. Mr Lamford added, it's going to mean shutting the town off. I've just pulled out an 18-pounder. While showing the viewers what the bomb looked like, Mr Lamford said, oh well, looks like we've been leaving early today. Flipping heck, not good, not good at all. After finding the artillery shell, the group cordoned off South Quay and rang the police. Mr Lamford told police, I'm magnet fishing and I pulled out an 18-pound artillery shell, a small bomb. 
the group redirected people away from the area while they waited for the police. Ushering people towards Browns on South Quay, one member of the group said, Do you want to go around that way? We've pulled a bomb out of the water. An unexploded bomb, so I would walk around that side. Police put a 100-metre cordon in the area once they arrived at the scene. Mr Lamford said, People are still persistently trying to come through, but they always do, unfortunately. Police officers thanked the team for calling 999. A police officer said, Either you found it or somebody else will find it 50 or 60 years down the line. All it takes is some idiot to pull it out, but you're all sensible. However, the team said they do worry about young people picking up, hob- picking up the hobby and not realising what they found, especially as the bomb looks like a flask. The video is available to watch on YouTube. A multi-million pound plan to bring a neglected listed building back to life has been thrown into doubt after the government turned down the city's £20 million bid for levelling up money. The former Grade 2 listed engine works in Shrub Hill Road in Worcester would have been transformed into landmark offices and creative workshop space. The City Council's plans for the 7,000 square metre building, which is more than 150 years old and said to be in a very poor state of repair, would also have seen its leaky roof replaced. The Government's levelling up secretary, Michael Gove, announced on yesterday that Worcester's multi-million pound bid, which also included huge improvements to Worcester Racecourse and Nunnery Wood Sports Complex, had been rejected. Worcester MP Robin Walker said he was deeply disappointed by the snub of the city and particularly the loss of money for Shrub Hill. I confess I am deeply disappointed that two bids relating to Worcester have been rejected, he said. I thought that the focus on active travel and improving transport connections in the county bid was particularly strong and complementary to the investment already secured in the Shrub Hill area. West Worcestershire MP Harriet Baldwin had suggested that unsuccessful authorities should put in better bids next time, to which Mr Walker said there was no problem with how the city had bid for levelling up money. There are going to be winners and losers in every competitive bidding process and we can't win every bid, he said. There is no problem with Worcester's bidding process. The city has shown this before and has been successful in bringing in funding from other bids. Councillor Chris Mitchell, leader of Worcester City Council, said the rejection by ministers would not jeopardise the work, but the city would have to look at other ways of funding it. The plans for the large Shrub Hill building, which is owned by Worcestershire County Council, were one of several long overdue regeneration projects for the area. Last year, councillors backed a £10 million plan which would see former ageing NHS offices, Isaac Maddox House in Shrub Hill Road, become a new business hub. The redevelopment plan for the neighbouring canal side site also includes new housing and a walking and cycling route from Shrub Hill to St Martin's Quarter. A bakery in the heart of Worcester, opened by a celebrity chef, is getting a makeover which will showcase how real bread is made. Peter Cook's Bread at 3 The Hop Market in Worcester is closed temporarily while the work is underway. The bakery closed on Monday for two weeks so the work could begin. 
Owners aim to reopen the city centre shop on Monday, January the 30th. Owner Peter Cook hopes the work on the beautiful Grade 2 listed building will mean the shop can better demonstrate how their prize-winning bread and pastries are made, providing a window into the craft of an artisan bakery. The scheme itself is by a local designer who has come out of retirement to remodel the shop. The aim is to show customers and food enthusiasts and college students how bread and pastries are made, including the work of a dough laminator. The design will help Peter Cook's bread host comp competitions for schools and catering colleges for best mince pies at Christmas and best bread in the summer. Peter Cook's bread was officially opened by TV chef Marcus Bean at Three the Hot Market on Saturday, December the 10th, with customers queuing up to sample his fresh bakery bread and pastries. Peter Cook's bread won Slow Food Baker of the Year for the third year running on Wednesday. At the moment, Mr Cook is keeping tight-lipped about the changes to the shop, but says the designer impressed him with his previous work. He said, Our showcase shop, and we're hoping customers will be impressed by the result. We want to surprise and impress our customers. A spokesperson for Peter Cook's Bread said, Thank you so much to all those that have supported and loved our shop so far. We are creating a wonderful, beautiful space that will show off our delicious produce to its best. Poppy and her team will be back in two weeks' time, so until then, if you would like to continue buying our goodies, please see it, seek out our local stockists. Peter Cook also said he was glad to be supporting the Hot Market charity, whose income from the assets of the charity is held on trust to help needy persons in the city of Worcester. He said the bread is all real bread. It doesn't have any additives. There are no shortcuts. It's made from scratch. I'm an ambassador for the Real Bread campaign, which is a bit like Camera was for Real Ale. There's a real bread revolution going on all around the country. It's great to bring that revolution to Worcester. Families are urged to have their say on the future of outdoor play for children in Worcester. Worcester City Council has launched a consultation and is urging residents to voice their opinions on play areas for children and social spaces for young people. The conversation is designed to find out which areas are popular and also whether there are areas of the city where people would like to see better space for play or socialising. An online consultation is now open where people can use an interactive map of Worcester to make their views known. Go to app.placechangers.co.uk forward slash s forward slash 294. There will also be a series of drop-in events held in the city in the coming weeks. Councillor Robin Norfolk, Vice-Chair of Worcester City Council's Place and Economic Development Committee said, We would like to hear the views of children, young people and their parents and carers. If you have particular needs or special requirements, we want to hear from you about them. This project is a chance for us to rethink what the city's outdoor spaces might look like and make them as safe, accessible and fun as possible. Councillor Matthew Lamb, Worcester City Council's Children and Young People's Champion, said, This survey isn't just about playgrounds. Playing and meeting up with friends can mean different things depending on your age and what you're doing. If it's outdoors, it's for fun and it's your choice. Then it counts.
The consultation does not cover indoor spaces to play and socialise, as these places are mostly run by organisations other than the City Council. On Friday, February the 3rd, a drop-in event will be held between 4 to 6pm at Purdiswell Leisure Centre and on Saturday the 4th of February between 10am and 2pm at The Hive. A former Worcestershire Poet Laureate is looking to raise £35,000 to turn a city centre shop into a community hub with a cafe and mini-library. The project, set up by Lena Batchelor and running under the name Script Haven Limited, will aim to offer a safe space to provide facilities for advice, counselling and education. There would also be a cafe on site for people to have free access to second-hand books and employment and volunteering opportunities. Miss Batchelor, who was Poet Laureate from 2020 to 21, hopes the venue would also play host to an array of events for the Worcestershire Lit Fest and Fringe Festival, which currently has no permanent home. The Bold Plans are now seeking donations via a crowdfunder page to secure premises. She said the shop will provide a community hub and safe space to have facilities for advice, counselling and education. Several local charities offering bereavement and emotional support have pleaded with me to make this space available as soon as possible. We wish to open a cafe on site, allowing people to sit and rest in comfort with a freely accessible reading shelf, a mini library if you like, to while away the stress of the day. Somewhere where all are welcome with affordable refreshments or simply a safe quiet corner if that is what is needed. Employment and volunteering opportunities will also be provided and a social board available signposting advice and support for all sections of the community. Miss Batchelor said the idea was born from the awareness that all communities need safe spaces. Self-published authors struggle to find space in mainstream bookshops and pre-loved books gather dust in corners. I want to offer a home for these treasures too, she added. Miss Batchelor has a track record of successful projects with her acclaimed Commandery exhibition in 2022, resulting in a book which is being released later this spring. Her play, Out of the Darkness, offered free to schools in 2021, attracted support from American rock group Hollywood Vampires to use their music. The project for a, a new community space can be supported through the crowdfunder page at crowdfunder.co.uk slash p slash safe spaces for more information email scripthavenlimited at gmail.com scripthaven limited is also already running a scheme supporting uk troops on deployment for people to pay for the cost of a cup of tea or coffee for them at scripthaven.co.uk to find out more Work has started to replace an old social club in Worcester with housing. Rainbow Hill Working Men's Club on Mayfield Road has been demolished, making way for a block of flats. The development, managed by Platform Housing Group, alongside contractor Four Shires, will result in 22 new apartments. Powell Victor, regional head of delivery for Platform, said, We're delighted to be able to bring this fantastic scheme to the city centre, providing much-needed affordable accommodation and space to park away from the busy street. 
we'd like to thank our partners in the local authority and our contractors for their hard work in making the scheme possible. Rainbow Hill Working Men's Club closed in the summer of 2019 due to falling membership numbers and was left empty ever since. In November of the following year, Worcester City Council's planning committee narrowly backed plans to demolish the property and replace it with 22 flats. Dozens of objections were made during public consultation with one objector in Mayfield Road saying the flats would be overbearing and out of character for the area. In the end, the plan was backed by six votes to four with one abstention. One of those to vote against the plan was Councillor Alan Amos, who raised concerns about the number of parking spaces. All we're doing here is seriously exacerbating a situation that everyone will agree is pretty dire at the moment, he said. My understanding of development is that it should not be at a greatly disproportionate adverse impact on existing residents. Platform Housing has stated that the new block of flats will include allocated parking and electrical vehicle charging capacities. There will also be space for a drive for the owner's vehicle to park off the street to avoid congestion. Work is underway now and expected to be completed at the start of 2024. A railway staff member was assaulted in a fight at Worcester Foregate Street Station. As previously reported, a number of police cars attended the station on Friday evening, January the 20th. In a new statement, a British Transport Police spokesperson said officers were called to Worcester Station at 7.53pm on January the 20th following reports of a fight during which a member of rail staff was assaulted. Inquiries into the incident are ongoing and anyone who witnessed what happened can contact BTP. Previously, a West Mercia police spokesperson provided a statement which said, We were called at around 7.50pm to a report of an altercation at Fourgate Street Railway Station. The incident is now being dealt with by British Transport Police. No further details have been provided, including if any arrests were made. As well as police cars, a network rail response van was also spotted in the area. Trains after 9pm were unaffected by the incident. Anyone with information can contact BTP on 0800 40 50 40 or texting 61016, quoting reference number 509, and January the 20th date. Support for those who have suffered bereavement is available at the Lippard Hub in Anchorage Green, Warndon Villages, Worcester. The six-week course runs on Fridays between 10am and noon, starting on January the 27th. Refreshments are provided. The course ends on March the 3rd. The Bereavement Journey is a six-session programme of films and discussion where people can process their loss in groups with others who have experienced bereavement. It helps people with all types of bereavement at any time and of any faith or none. For more information, email info at lippardhub.co.uk. Worcestershire County Cricket Club has announced a new partnership with a city food bank. Worcester Food Bank will be the Pairs Charity of the Year for 2023. The partnership will also help the club to link up with other food banks around the county and the Black Country to help support them throughout the year. 
David Hoskins, Worcestershire's CCC's Head of Commercial and Operations, said, The club is very proud of its charitable work and we are committed to helping those in the community that need it most. They do a huge amount of work with those most in need across the community and we are very much looking forward to giving them our support. Charitable causes from across the county were able to apply to the club for support, with Worcestershire CCC receiving an overwhelming response. The club was again inundated with applications to become our charity partner, and we are delighted to be partnering with Worcester Food Bank throughout 2023, added Mr Hoskins. Worcester Food Bank provides emergency food and support to people struck by poverty or crisis who are referred to the food bank by one of over a 100 referral agencies. The charity offers packages including three days of nutritionally balanced food, toiletries, cleaning products and cooking supplies. Use of Worcester Food Bank has increased 35% over the past year and they forecast this will continue to rise in the current economic climate. With costs totalling over £200,000 a year, Worcester Food Bank is currently funded by individuals, churches, other charities and local companies and organisations. The centre has fed over 15,000 people over the last 12 months. 40% were those with children. In the past 12 months alone, they've given away over 130 tonnes of food, providing 190,000 meals. Maggie Collins of the Worcester Food Bank said, We are hugely excited to be announced as Worcestershire County Cricket Club's charity partner for 2023 and we are looking forward to working with the club to promote awareness of everything the centre does. A decision to snub the city's £20 million levelling up bid by the government has been called disgraceful and a waste of time and money. A £20 million bid by Worcester City Council for levelling up money, which included major improvements at Worcester's Pitchcroft Racecourse, the much-needed renovation of the listed engine works building in the tired Shrub Hill area, and a big boost for the Nunnery Wood Sports Complex Centre, was rejected by the government on Thursday, January 19th. The decision to turn down the city's bid had been criticised by opposition politicians in Worcester. Councillor Lynn Denham, leader of the City Council's Labour Group, criticised the bidding process, which she sees as councils entering into an awful competition with each other, resulting in an incredible amount of money and time wasted on submitting bills. She said the government should be providing base funding, which would give the council guaranteed funding to spend on what the city saw as its own priorities. It really is disappointing, she said. I acknowledge that we have had some funding in the past, but given the increases in inflation and so on, that means we are not going to achieve anything near to what we would like to have done. Councillor Mel Alcott, the new parliamentary spokesperson for Worcester's Liberal Democrats, said the city had been let down by the Conservatives' decision. This Conservative government has chosen to ignore the pleas of Worcester residents, showing yet again they are taking us for granted, she said. Had our bid been successful, £20 million would have been significantly invested in Worcester. Instead, we have lost £20 million while the Prime Minister lines the pocket of his own area with £19 million. It's a disgrace. 
The people of Worcester have been let down, but Worcester Liberal Democrats will do our utmost best to ensure that the government's decision does not mean we are left behind. We will never stop fighting for a fair deal for Worcester. Councillor Chris Mitchell, the leader of Worcester City Council, said it was very disappointing to be snubbed, but the city had been very fortunate in the past with government funding. And now on to some sporting news in the area. I'll start with ladies netball, Seven Stars. Seven Stars head coach Jo Tripp says she is delighted with how her new team are progressing towards the start of the 2023 Vitality Netball Super League. With only three weeks to go until the opener in Nottingham against Saracens Mavericks, Tripp's side were in pre-season action last weekend against Super League rivals Loughborough Lightning. It was an entertaining affair in front of a packed-out Worcester University arena that the visitors eventually came out on top of by 63 to 57. The event was also used as the official launch for the new season where the team were presented with their new kit. Our pre-season warm-up against Loughborough Lightning was another great learning opportunity for the team, says, said Tripp. With only three weeks to go till the season opener in Nottingham on Saturday the 11th of February, I'm delighted with how the team has progressed over the last few months and are continuing to develop their connections on court and build in confidence as a group. We played a strong game throughout the court, hitting our targets in a number of quarters both on defence and attack. As always, more consistency is required, both individually and as a group, but that will come with more time on court together. But after months of hard training, it was great to be back on court in our official new kit in front of our fans as we build up to the 2023 season. Our pre-season launch day was an opportunity for us to mark the return of a couple of our players, but also to officially welcome many exciting new signings to the senior team. There have been plenty of changes since the end of the 2022 campaign, which saw Stars finish bottom of their league with just three wins in their 20 games. One of those changes was Tripp herself, who comes in as the new head coach. The former Saracens Mavericks player, who retired at the end of the 2021 season, will take charge of Stars as they prepare for the new campaign. Tripp takes over from Melissa Belsell, who stepped down from the role of head coach at the end of the disappointing 2022 performance and has returned to New Zealand for family reasons. With a very new team and a new coaching and management team, the pre-season games have been essential for our preparation and I have been extremely impressed at the way the team has connected so quickly and pulled together as a unit, she said. The training ethic of this group is impressive and I am excited to continue building over the next three weeks and throughout the season. We have two more pre-season games against Celtic Dragons and Spartans Men's which will enable us more court time in combinations and to further refine connections and partnerships. Worcestershire spinner Josh Baker is back bowling after recovering from an injury. The 19-year-old Academy product was sidelined for the final two months of last season after suffering a stress reaction to a lower back problem. Head coach Alan Richardson has confirmed the slow left armour has started bowling again in the nets at Malvern.
He has started bowling now and there is a huge smile on his face. I think Josh has done amazingly well, said Richardson. To get the injury he did at such an age is always a test and he handled it brilliantly well and has come back fitter than ever. He has worked really hard on his batting and now he is back to doing his bowling and it's great to see. We will build him slowly. He has got a nice block of time now and he's really keen and eager. It is just a case of managing that and getting him in a position for the start of the season where he puts himself in a position to be selected. Richardson said, For all of these guys, it's a heck of a journey as a professional cricketer. Josh has had some really good moments and had some tough moments and this is one of them. He has handled it all as well as anything I've seen. There will be many more to come, ups and downs, and just the way he handles them will be a significant part of how he continues on his journey. And lastly for football, Worcester City are moving in the right direction but are just lacking in confidence, according to Elliot Hartley, as the crunch games come thick and fast for Chris Corn's men. Hartley, who has had to adapt to a plethora of different positions since his move from Tividale, feels that the first win under Corns will give them the confidence to go on to a much-needed winning streak. Since the arrival of the former Bewdley town boss in November, City have lost all four games under his leadership. I think at the minute we're just lacking confidence in ourselves, Hartley said. Since the new manager has come in, we have just lacked a bit of luck and composure. I think that once we get that first win, we will go on to a good run. We've got players coming in and out. There hasn't been a cohesive team yet. With new players coming in every week, it's hard to develop relationships. I'm confident with him, Corns, in charge. The lads are confident too. I know at the minute it doesn't look it, but the training has been good. We're working hard. If we don't have games, we're training. We just need that first win. The winger has been deputising at left-back, right-back and even in midfield during his stint at City so far and admitted he has found the adaptation difficult at times. I've had a few good performances, but I've just come back from an injury and I'm just trying to get minutes under my belt, the former TV man said. I think the adaptation has been difficult because I've not been playing in my regular position. My natural position is a winger, but I've played all over the park, so it's been hard at the minute. Hartley was speaking ahead of a crucial run of fixtures for City, with three consecutive away games, starting with Market Drayton Town this Wednesday, before a crunch game against Corn's former side Bewdley, sandwiched in between a rough a tough trip to Hartley's former team, Tividale. Defeats in those games would lead to the ominous possibility of relegation looming large, something that Hartley admits the players have discussed. It's been addressed, we're not naive to that possibility, Hartley said. We have to be realistic, if we lose the next two games, we just don't know what the league will look like. If we win the next two games, it will take the pressure off us. And that is the end of our contribution for this week. Thank you very much for listening. And the obituaries will follow the music. So it just remains for us to say, keep safe. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
And now for the obituaries. Brenda Platt of Droitwich passed away suddenly on the 22nd of December. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 2nd of February at 2.30pm. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for the cat's protection or Macmillan Cancer Support may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Sons. Betty Stoker of Batten Hall passed away peacefully in hospital on the 25th of December, aged 97. Funeral service at St George's Catholic Church on Tuesday the 31st of January at 12 noon, followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium at 1 o'clock. Family flowers only, please, but donations if desired for Water Aid UK or the Trussell Trust may be left on the collection plate at church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. Peter Barry Jew, formerly of Worcester, passed away suddenly at home in Nottingham on the 27th of December. Family, friends and former colleagues are invited to celebrate Pete's life at a funeral service at Bramcott Crematorium, Serenity Chapel, Nottingham, NG93GJ, on Tuesday the 7th of February at 12 noon. Donations in lieu of flowers for the National Heart and Lung Foundation may be left online at www.limlymn.com .co.uk slash obituaries or sent care of A.W. Limn, the Family Funeral Service, Nottingham. Wilfred Henry Roberts of Worcester passed away peacefully at Howbury House Care Home on the 27th of December, aged 100. Funeral service at St Martin in the Corn Market on Wednesday, the 1st of February, at 11 o'clock, followed by internment at Aswood Cemetery. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Retina UK may be left on the collection plate at church or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. Jeremy William Slade Richardson passed away peacefully at home on January the 4th. Funeral service to take place at St John's Church, Worcester, on Friday, 3rd of February, at 1.15pm. Donations, if desired, to St Richard's Hospice and Acorns Children's Hospice may be sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. Yvonne Ching passed away peacefully on the 11th of January. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Thursday the 2nd of February at 10.45. Family flowers only, please. Donations, if desired, for St Richard's Hospice may be sent to Bedwardine Funeral Services. Georgina May Alford, nay Biddy Pugh, passed away on Friday the 13th of January. The funeral service will take place at St Peter's Church, Droitwich, on Wednesday 8th of February at 12.30pm. Flowers are welcome. All inquiries to George Crumpenson. And Robert Anthony, known as Bob Weaver, passed away at Worcester Royal Hospital on the 16th of January. There will be a private cremation. And we send our best wishes and prayers to the family and friends recently bereaved at this difficult time.